Eye on 2020, episode 309. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, host of Ion 2020. Thank you for joining me for a Thursday episode of Ion 2020, bringing you anything that you need to know that's going on in 2020, especially focused on the elections, but I also sidetrack and get on to current events as well, because that is uh, that is what we do. We talk about what's in the news and everything, so thanks for joining me if it's your first time listening. I appreciate it. you got to subscribe to the show then so you can hear it again tomorrow, or on Monday when I do the next show. And then you can also go into the backlog of shows if you want to and listen to those. Those are always fun to listen to as well. Especially if you want to know about different candidates that were running, and maybe one of the vice presidential candidates that might be the uh, or that might have ran against Joe Biden, hint, hint, uh, Kamala Harris, because uh, or Kamala Harris, sorry, because supposedly she might be that person. But who knows? I mean, there's, there was probably uh, six or seven people that they were vetting for the vice president gig to run with Joe Biden. Joe Biden is probably not going to make it through the first term. If he does, he probably will not run for a second term. So mostly that person will either be the president at some point if Joe Biden wins, or that person will be the nominee for the presidency in 2024. So always good to look into those people, specifically if you find shows about female Democrats that are running, then you could go ahead and check that out. But I think that uh, what Joe Biden's going to do is going to try to go with someone that's a little bit centrist in some ways, because you have to have like a party tie. I mean, he's the party guy, right? He's the Democrat. He's full-blown Democrat. Um, but he's not losing anything by bringing like a Kamala Harris on, but he might be losing something if he brings... Uh, someone that's a little bit too far right on, obviously, but if you bring someone that's too far left on as well, maybe the centrists might think that's a little bit crazy as well, and they might try to uh, stray away from the Democratic Party. So I'm not sure exactly how he's going to do it, but uh, Kamala Harris, uh, supposedly there's been some rumors and stuff, and there's a couple of notes, and like there's a photographer that took like a, a, was a little far away, but he took a zoomed in picture of a note that Joe Biden had, and it had her name on it and possibly even like a note scribbled about her being like what what his speech is going to be so we'll see what happens next week they will be announcing it so uh that's interesting you might fall asleep during the announcement though because joe biden is really hard to listen to when he talks uh the more i listen to the guy i'm just like he is not even excited about being president he doesn't have any ambition he doesn't have any drive he doesn't have any excitement he's just like the I don't know, the the older gentleman that's just out there to win, or, you know, thinks he's, thinks it's going to be handed to him on a silver platter in some ways, because Donald Trump is doing nothing but shooting himself in the foot every chance he gets, he's just, and also, obviously, the press is against him as well, a lot of things are not going his way, especially if this coronavirus thing keeps on going on and on and on for the next couple months, the worse the coronavirus gets, the worse his numbers get, and that's not good for the presidency, but... Um, I mean, how much control does a president have over the coronavirus? I, obviously, those things that he could have done to make things easier from the national level on allowing 
the CDC and stuff to not have to do all the testing and let private labs do the testing and stuff. Maybe he could have given a directive on that. But um, I heard it said, and I, I th- and I agree with it, this is a... Um, this is a constitutional republic, and we have it's a federal federal republic, and the federal government does not have the authority to really tell the states what to do in some ways. So um, that's the way it was set up, and I think that he as and maybe he did it to try to keep the heat off of him, so it's not always his decision. There could have been political motivation on not taking the lead on it in the first place and, get, and passing it on to the states. But the states are the ones that are, you know, the buck stops with the states and the state governors and the state uh, house and senates and all that stuff. So um, maybe Donald Trump was doing that just to kind of protect his own butt. But you know what? It didn't protect his own butt because the worse the coronavirus gets, the worse it gets for him. Um, we are seeing a spike right now in coronavirus cases in South Carolina, and it's starting to slowly creep back down. Like we are seeing two, two thousand cases a day. We are seeing we're we are seeing more deaths every day. Like we're seeing in the twenties, thirties, and forties every single day. Sometimes fifty deaths a day. Um, however, they are counting those deaths. Who knows? We're all skeptical about those numbers as well. We're also skeptical about the numbers of new cases in some ways, also. But they are doing way more testing. We're skeptical about the, the the testing as well in the new cases because they are saying that, you know, 30% of the tests that are done are a false positive, 20% are a false negative, or it might be vice versa, I can't remember. So you're thinking that around 50% of the tests are are bunk. And those are the CDC's tests, though, maybe not the private labs. And the CDC, I mean, that's our government that's doing the testing, but you always know a private lab's going to do a little, a little bit better. Uh, that's just the way that... Everything works in the private sector. It seems like they do a much better job as well. Um, But let's get off of that subject. I didn't really want to talk too much about that the entire time because there was a lot going on this last couple of days as well. With regards to... And if you watch any Fox News, you would have seen it. It's the whole silencing of a dissenting opinion about the coronavirus. And there was that group of doctors that did a speech out in front of the Capitol building and they had, it was like a 47 minute, maybe an hour long speech or so. And it was like 10 or 12 doctors that stood there and they were all kind of talking about the coronavirus response and giving their opinions on it. And then, uh, it went viral. 17 million people got to see this particular video. I'm sure you guys have heard about it. If you haven't seen it, it's interesting. I mean, they're not really making any crazy dramatic points or anything like that. One of them does talk about the hydroxychloroquine being a cure for the coronavirus and zinc and also um, the z pack combined or whatever is a cure for the coronavirus. And uh, what was it? All of the major companies, Facebook, Twitter, Google, all canceled that video And they also went and canceled people's accounts that were sharing the video. And I know this for a fact because it happened to Ion the Empire's Facebook page at one point. I shared a video, not that one, but I did share a video. I don't know if you remember the ones from the two doctors that were out in California that Facebook, Twitter, and all those guys, they tried to cancel that as well. Uh, That was back in March or April. And they were talking about how the numbers were inflated and also, you know, how how this thing seems like it's spread across the country pretty substantially already. And they tried to cancel that. And I shared that video on the Facebook page for I Am The Empire. So if you want to check it, check it on The Empire, you can through Facebook. But I shared that and Facebook notified me 
that I was a news agency that was spreading fake news and that they would make it so it was harder for people to see my page because I shared that post. So now the page isn't seen as much. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sharer of false, of false, of fake news, things that have been proven wrong or whatever. I don't know. I mean, it's just absolutely insane what happens, but they're doing that with the people that have shared this video as well. Twitter is canceling people's accounts for 24 hours. They're canceling people's accounts on Facebook that are sharing it. They're labeling them as, you know, sources of fake news and so forth by sharing a, a freaking video of some people that have an opinion about the coronavirus and how it should be taken care of at the national level. Which I think that's really interesting. And a lot of people... And I've heard libertarians say this, and I just want to make a case today that, yes, while they are private companies, Facebook, Twitter, Google, they're private companies, they can silence people if they want to. They can censor whoever they want to, right? We talk about that when we defend people that have their own business and they want to silence people or, or, or you know, censor people. Like, it's their business, they can do it. But, on the other hand... From a legal standpoint, they can do it because it's their own private business, and a lot of de- a lot of libertarians they seem like they defend that. But on a personal level, should we not speak out against censorship? I think we should. As libertarians, yes, a private company can do what they want to, but we have every right to speak out against it. We have every right to raise hell. We have every right to. You know, do news articles, do speeches, write as much on Facebook, Twitter, and all that about them doing this stuff and making it, and that is wrong. We have every right to post that article, post the transcript of the video, even post the video as much as we can so that other people can see it because we have free speech just like they have free speech as a private company. And our free speech can be used to speak out against injustices or speak out against things that we think are wrong. And censorship is wrong. We know that that's wrong. So I think it's on us to hold these businesses accountable, like Facebook and Twitter and Google. If I had a far enough reach, if I had the ability, I would say let's boycott those companies for like 24 hours, 48 hours, a week maybe. Not even go onto those platforms for a week. And if we had a large enough group of people that did that, if there was 10, 12, 15 million people that did that, if enough people we're pissed off about censorship as are pissed off about police brutality then we would probably have those numbers on our side obviously police brutality is the state violence against the people but censorship controls the power if you have the ability to censor an entire message then you could get people in power that you want into power. And then they will be able to control you. That's kind of like a roundabout way of getting state power, or getting state power, but also using violence against people, right? And it's very important that we speak out against that. So it's uh, so we have the right to speak out against this stuff. We should speak out against this stuff. We should talk to other people about this stuff. We should have podcasts about this stuff. We should talk to as many people as we can about the censorship that goes on. 
I think that's really important. And people will listen if enough voices speak out against it. I mean, censorship is wrong. On the, on the federal level, they shouldn't be doing it. The politicians shouldn't be doing it. The newspapers should not be doing it. And we should speak out against that. But we do speak out against, on a regular basis, we speak out against government doing it, right? But think about Google, Facebook, Twitter. These are companies that clearly get tons and tons of, and Amazon specifically too, they get tons of money from the federal government. They get contracts to store data. They get contracts to do this. They get contracts to do that. Think about Google, all the contracts they have with the schools nationwide. Those contracts need to go away if they're censoring people like that. We can hold the government accountable to doing business with companies that are going to follow the First Amendment and not censor people. That's some leverage that we have over these companies as well. And think about a corporation. The only reason why a corporation even exists in the first place is because they have legal protection from liability. So it's the government that creates corporations. Like if there was no such thing as government, a free society with in the absence of government, there'd be no corporations. Yeah, people can gather together. A hundred, maybe two, maybe three hundred people can form a business and they could write up a corporate, like some sort of corporation. But the way, the reason why people form corporations nowadays is to limit the liability that the shareholders would have. They have legal protection against liability by forming a corporation. So you can't sue the individual shareholder or all of the shareholders combined. You can sue the corporation. That's a legal standing that these companies have. So they get these legal standings from the government that shield them from liability, the people that make the decisions from liability. And that's wrong also. I mean, in a stateless society, in a society that had no government, you wouldn't have that. You wouldn't have the huge, massive corporations that we have now, most likely, because they wouldn't be able to stand, because they would be held liable for things that they do wrong. The individual decision makers at those companies would. Or the shareholders as a whole. But that's a protected class. So, should the government be able, or not should the government, should we push the government to follow or make these companies, not make them, because I hate to say the government should make people do anything, but don't give them the contracts then. Don't give them the contracts if they're going to censor people. That's the only thing I could say. The government spends trillions of dollars. I mean, it has a four and a half trillion dollar budget and it's already spent, I think, eight or nine trillion this year. So it's spending so much money and it has a lot of power to tell people what to do in some way. And I don't think that's right. Maybe we should li- we should limit the government. We should limit the spending that the government does. But a lot of the reason why Google, Facebook, Amazon have the power that they have, have that sort of ability to have that. I mean, like when you go to Google, you use Google to search, right? So they have a relative legal monopoly on search. Amazon has a huge power grab or power hold on the retail market right now. Those are coming through a lot of government favors as well. A lot of government money goes to these companies. They've figured it out. 
But this censorship has got to stop. And we need to hold these people accountable to it. We can. We can. But I don't have, I mean, I don't have that huge of a follower of listeners, you know, and I, I wish I did have more so that we could start pushing this agenda, this idea of maybe like a 48-hour boycott of Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, those companies. I don't know if they'd feel anything by a couple hundred thousand people saying no, but at least you could make some sort of news presence or something like that that says, hey, we're, we're done with these companies that are going to censor people. For an opposing view, for an opposing opinion. That's insanity, guys. Absolutely insane. But I didn't want to make that the entire show. I apologize. Um, but I, we should speak out against it. And I, and I hear a lot of libertarians that say, oh, no, it's a private company. It doesn't matter. But we should individually or as a group speak out against it and maybe even demand to the people in Washington or in the cities or in the states that we live in somehow that they don't do business with a company that's going to censor dissenting opinion or dissenting voices or Republicans or Democrats or Libertarian voices or whatever voice. I mean, I'm for free speech and that's it. I'm for free speech. You can say whatever you want to. Now, obviously, you have to suffer the consequence of what you say hurts somebody else. Physically, for example, yelling fire in a, and that's a classic example, yelling fire in a crowded movie theater. You yell fire in a crowded movie theater. You can say that. You have the legal right by free speech to scream that out and freak everybody out and scare the crap out of them. But if that theater owner loses money because of you, then he has the right to sue you. If one of those people gets trampled, gets hurt, they have the right to sue you because you did it as a joke. But that can be handled in litigation. But I'm for free speech. Whatever you want to say. No such thing as self-censorship. Well, I can't really say that no such thing as self-censorship because everyone's going to self-censor. I mean, I self-censor every day when I'm at work and I just want to tell somebody to shut the hell up obviously I self-censor then and that's good self-censorship but the idea that you cannot speak your political opinion to other people the idea that if you have an unpopular view people are going to call you racist or something like that or you're not let's say that you're the type of person that doesn't stand up for racism or whatever you're not anti-racist you're just someone that's not racist and they're saying oh you're racist look at you you're not anti-racist so you must be racist silence is violence no we need to be able to live in a world that you can talk about things we need to live in a world where there's free exercise of speech that you have the ability to speak out because that's when conversations get started and that's how in everything in life that's how you resolve problems and you come to understandings but if you tell people that they can't talk if you tell people that their opinion is wrong then those people go underground they go into a black market of those ideas And then they have this little sounding board of this echo chamber of their own views among their little small group of people. And that's where extremism comes from. Because you get into your little echo chamber. 
when you tell all these people all across America that they're racist, all white people are racist or something like that, then you're going to get people that are scared to talk. Or let's move on to other subjects. You know, there's, you know, if you talk about Christianity or something like that, you might be embarrassed to talk about Christianity in the world or your beliefs about abortion or something like that because it's just not a popular opinion or something. But you should be able to hash those things out. Help people change. You could change people's minds. They could change your mind. But at least we get to the truth by you know, by bumping heads, by having those conversations. This is a civilized way to get, to come to truth, rather than through violence. So you have to have free speech. So I'm going to defend that, guys. I am. I am. And I and what Facebook, Twitter, all those guys are doing is wrong. Absolutely. But anyway, so let's get to a listener question. If you guys want to send a listener question, and you can do that, you just have to go to the Facebook page, okay? And then at that point, you can send a message to me through the Facebook page. That's uh, I and the Empire on Facebook. And they haven't shut my shut my page down, so you can go to it, right? And you can just send me a message. And if you want to uh, send that message, I'll answer any questions that you have right here on air. But there is one guy named Dan from the Culinary Libertarian. You'll love him. Uh, if you ever want to listen to that podcast, it's called The Culinary Liber- Libertarian. Or I think it's just called Culinary Libertarian. And his name is Dan, and he does a show. And he'll talk about, like, different food, you know, different um, recipes, but he'll talk about different types of food and how to use specific foods and stuff. It's a really interesting show, and he's a libertarian, too, so every so often he will interview different libertarians, uh, not specifically on food topics, either. So it's a good show to listen to, if and... Uh, Anyway, he just sent me a an, a, uh, a message oh, last night, I believe it was. And he says, Yo, what are your thoughts on the f- um, divisions and families over uh, COVID-19 mismanagement and the goalposts shifting? So I'm going to break it up into a couple different questions. So, and I was thinking about this, and I was like, I don't think that familial, like, f- family divisions about the handling of it is really that important in some ways, unless of course your family is bashing each other and your wife hates you because you guys are always arguing. But that's what the politicians want you to do is have these divisions, right? That's what the politicians are hoping for is to have division. In the South, in the in the 1800s, the division was slavery, right? And that comes to a head at some point with the Civil War. And it wasn't just slavery that was the division, but that was like one of the things that... Um, that was, I mean, all of, that was one of the things that was dividing the North and the South. Was whether it's going to be a slave state or a free state. And because the slave states wanted to have the power and the free states wanted the power. So they made it so that if one state joined the Union, another state had to join the Union as a slave state, one would join as a free state and so forth. That was the division back then. And politicians learned, and they've learned it from the beginning of time. That the more division you can cause, the more you can get people to hate each other, the more likely they are to vote for you because you're the answer to their problems. Or you're the next best choice. Or you've made a stark contrast between you and your opponent somehow based based upon your ideas or the division. So right now we have the politicians that are just loving the fact 
that America is divided. They Everyone either loves Donald Trump or hates him. There's a people in the middle, but they got to cause that division. And one thing that they're doing with COVID-19 is that there's so much mismanagement of the messaging. There's so much mismanagement from the leadership that is causing division among people. And that's what they want. But I think most people are respectful. Like, I'm, we're going out to visit with my sister this weekend. And she's coming from Florida. We're going to be all be up in the mountains in North Carolina. And we're going to take precautions to protect her because she's high risk. So we want to make sure that she's taken care of. And families are going to do that stuff, right? Families are going to come past that division. I have a different view than her about COVID-19. But we're all going to respect each other. I think that when you get the politics out of it, people will respect each other. So that's what I think. I mean, the familial divisions are not that important. That's what the politicians want. But this goalpost shifting is definitely true. I think it's a matter of um, a lot of politicians trying to cover their own butt, right? CYA. They're trying to cover their tail. And if they say, like, if the original goal was to flatten the curve, so we're just going to close for two weeks, flatten the curve, and get the hospitals going, then they set the goalposts a little bit further and a little bit further until five months later, we're still talking about lockdowns, we're still talking about this, we're still talking about that. That's because no politician wants to say we did nothing. No politician wants to look like they didn't do everything they can to fix the problem. No politician wants to just look, you know, like a scumbag or whatever. So they're going to keep moving the goalposts and act like they're doing something. So, yeah, they're going to continue to move the goalposts as much as possible. And they'll do it through February, March, April next year as well. Now, he also says, do you think most of D.C.'s response, as Cotton suggests, like that's Tom Cotton, as Tom Cotton suggests is a way to oust Trump and so the way that the, the, the DC's response is yes so it's, it's in the politicians best interests on the left the, the, the liberal politicians, the democrats it is in their best interest to not see things fixed between now and, December, and November right? it's in their best interest to come to the come to the table and say we want to give four trillion dollars to the american people and we're going to do this we're going to do that we're going to spend this we're going to spend that and look at these republicans they're being cheap yeah that's in their best interest it's also in their best interest to make sure that the coronavirus is as bad as it possibly can be between now and november because in january they'll have the power because donald trump's approval rating goes down as coronavirus gets worse so yeah, Tom Cotton's right. And I hate the guy on on um on foreign affairs. I mean, this guy wants to go bomb anybody that looks at America wrong way, or even uh, the friend of somebody that <laughs> that looks at America wrong way. He wants to go bomb them as well, and he is okay with any war crime that any government, you know, any American will commit. I'm sure, or any American president will commit. Like he does not care whatsoever. Like that guy has never seen a war that he does not love from what I've seen him talking about. And he's a staunch defender of Donald Trump and every single time as well. So, but yeah, he is right on the idea that it is to 
really get out Donald Trump is to get Donald Trump out because they've been trying from the very beginning to get Donald Trump out. And I heard a very good point the other day made. It was interesting. The Democrats talk about how um, Donald Trump is trying to destroy the democracy, yet on every chance that they get, they're trying to end... Ah, no, maybe that's not a good argument, actually. Now that I now that I say it out loud, it doesn't really come together because um, Donald Trump, yeah, he's not... Obviously, he was elected democratically, but the Democrats have been trying to get him out the entire time as well. Um, but they're not trying to end democracy by that means, I don't think. But they're just trying to... Uh, they just hate the guy, and they want their power back. And they're just so pissed off they don't have the power right now. And that uh, that a caricature like Donald Trump is in the presidency. I think it's kind of funny, being someone that looks on it from the outside looking in, because I'm not into Democratic and Republican politics. I just think it's hilarious to watch these people get so mad at Donald Trump. And the Attorney General um, Barr... This whole grilling that they did of him the other day, it was really funny listening to the Democrats because they were so mad. One lady says, I'm starting to get angry here. Like, it just, just I, I actually wanted to find that clip and play it for you guys because it was just absolutely just tells the emotional state of the Democrats that they just get so emotionally attached to their, their views and their issues and this desire to just get Donald Trump out of there. It was just so funny to listen to. And every single Democrat that was talking during this grilling of Attorney General Barr, um, every person that was speaking was just like, I don't know, just so emotionally distraught. And it's just funny to watch because, like, I don't, I, I don't know if it's fake. I think it's fake. Because when you watch the Republicans, they were just kind of, like, unemotional and trying to defend the guy and trying to defend the, the, for the president and all that. And... Uh, I don't know if it's defensible or not. Obviously, going in and um, you know grabbing people in the in the dark at night in Oregon is wrong. Federal buildings are going to be defended by the federal government, um, and these people that are rioting and these people that are looting and these people that are doing what they're doing need to realize that force is always going to be force against the government is always going to be retaliated upon with more force because that's all government knows is force. So the more peaceful they are, the, if you get those few people that are starting to act up, you need to reel them back in, guys, if you're out there protesting. It's okay to protest, but government is going to respond with force, and if you're just trying to get a photo op to make it look bad, I don't know, I, I just think that, um, I don't know, maybe you're trying to control the narrative as well, maybe you're, you got to get those little propaganda pieces out there, right? just like the government does, so maybe what you're doing is, is uh, I don't want to say right in some ways, because um, I'm not going to condone any type of violence or anything like that, uh, I don't think that the violence is right, um, but obviously on both sides it's not right, so um, if there are officers that are sitting there doing something wrong, they need to be held accountable, and I hopefully they will, um, but the people that are, you know, doing the rioting and stuff like that and throw like I've heard that they're trying to cut through the fence and they will cut through the fence then they'll go and set off fireworks and stuff then when the people come out to try to put the fires out um the people start throwing rocks at them and start throwing fireworks at them that again and it's like that's just wrong to do because government is gonna respond with force every single time 
But anyway, let me go ahead and wrap up the show. I appreciate you joining me. Uh, this is I on twenty twenty, and if you want to follow me, you can check me out Facebook and on Twitter. I am the, is at I am the Empire. You can also find me through I am the Empire dot com. If you want to email me, Ray at I am the Empire. Um, go ahead though, if you can. Five star ratings and reviews are always helpful for the show to make sure that other people can find it. The numbers are growing, so that's great. I appreciate those that share it with your friends. Those that are giving those five-star ratings, I appreciate that as well. Uh, Going to be back on Monday for you, though, so you can have clear vision for 2020.